Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There we go. We're live. We Just are like live. Feels good, doesn't it, to be on the whistle again? We're back. We're back. UK time, games are happening, and we are there straight away, the first ones talking about it. Straight we're, after t- we're time for the game, wasn't it? Six o'clock. Very weird. It was weird. I know a few people who went along as well. Um, but on the same note, I guess it's kind of like, well, people might might be either at work or just quickly, you know, maybe finish work an hour early and head down there. You're not getting back at silly o'clock at night on, for a game that doesn't need to be, you know. Uh, it's not glo- worried about global audiences. So, yeah, yeah weird, guess- but probably good for the people that went along. And uh, and and I think for kids, it's a bit better, isn't it? Because because the Emirates Cup would normally be at the weekend, um, but obviously we're playing, and it's normally the week before the season starts. But it's the Community Shield, which is great. But I guess that this gets pushed, and it's just an opportunity for some kids to get to the game and and see the players without needing a lottery to get a ticket, a ballot. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's been weird having to try and work that out this year already in the early stages of so how do we get tickets now but um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting we've got lots to talk about still because it was a game that certainly had a lot going on but um we'll try and unpack for sure some of uh if there were any takeaways that you know it's, it's still pre-season at the end of the day it's still um it's still um you know ultimately we're just right, Jesus. We, we are live pete we are live, so they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone just heard your sleazy voice there when we're not on air. That's how he talks to us. He goes, "Hello, guys, how are we doing?" And then he comes on. He's like, "Good evening." But yeah, we've we've shown you behind the curtain there, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was a bit weird. That was a bit weird. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, check your mic levels because uh, we heard yesterday an expression. It'll probably mean more to you, Johnny, than to any of us, uh, but. People were saying that we were popping peas. What does that yeah. mean? Apparently, Basically, it's your you, mic. You would, you would need a pop shield to kind of cover that. First of all, if you're talking into your mic, it's a, a bigger issue, or it, it happens more frequently. But when you're going p- p- like popping peas and stuff, it it like um, goes off the chart. So if you're talking across your mic, particularly in these kinds of things, it will probably work better, and maybe not directly into it. But I've got a pop shield. When I'm in my room with the what, it, what is a pop shield? I thought these had built-in pop shields. Some of them do. Um, it shows how classy you are, Pete. To be fair, um, I I don't. I've bought one separately, but um, and it's just yeah. that little. Um, okay, all right. Well, yeah. I I didn't know that. I am I too loud? No, not not broadly. I mean, to be oh. honest, after your initial insert into this pod, I'm pleased you've turned the volume up. It was a bit seedy. I thought. Hello, Look guys. at some of these comments coming in. <laughs> is Matt related to Ron DeSantis? Oh, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. Matt DeSantis. Oh, is, it the, is it the beard? Uh, <laughs> I, I hope it's not the dress sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the, I hope it's not, I hope it's not the political views. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, been... AOP Acoustic Opinion Podcast. I like that. We're taking it seriously this year. Oh, yeah. Have oh we got the yeah, band back together, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we're we're on, we're excited. Last preseason game, everyone feeling fit. Johnny, I love the shirt. Cheers, mate. Yeah, I actually had a jumper on today. It's been raining all all around the UK. Um, it's so weird, quite frankly. Um, our summer, and because I was wearing a jumper and fed my young son his little dinner pouch. He was enjoying taking time to just spit it over me. So I thought, you know what? I'll give our audience the courtesy of changing into something that hasn't got baby vomit on. So, yeah, thanks for the compliment. It's a double win. 
I like this yeah. comment. Pete going all in on the female prisoner haircut. Johnny, I, I was like, oh, wow, this Patreon ad, I haven't actually listened to it yet. I just play it <laughs> live on a podcast yesterday. And then that little perler. You can always tell if, if me and Johnny have had a disagreement on a podcast because <laughs> when he does his adverts, he gets that, he gets that pencil nice and sharp. Savagely. No, I would just say that the, the audience that we, um, that we accrue largely comes for a certain tone, and that is that, yes, we took football, yes, we love Arsenal, but we're also going to have a bit of a laugh doing it, and that's what you come to the AOP for. Yeah, I think this is a good comment here. Thought what Rice looked winded. Getting boys ball out of him might take a little longer than we thought. I agree. I think we'll get into that because oh, it's gonna it's certainly not looking like a hundred and five million player right now, I don't think. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh we've got an action packed podcast today. That wasn't my favorite game of pre preseason hasn't oh. been that much fun. No, let's get into it. Um so we've got plenty of topics to talk through. I'm going to just get right into it. Well, let's get... Uh, oh, I don't know whether, what's going to happen on this intro. Mirror mine, mirror mine. You twist and turn my mind Until I don't know who I am Mirror mine. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It is the last game of preseason. We've just drawn to Monaco, although we did win in the penalty shootout. The Emirates Cup remains in Arsenal's hands. It's a great start to the season. One trophy. We've got another opportunity to get a trophy against Manchester City this Sunday, but the performance wasn't quite there. There's a few twitchy fans out there a little bit concerned that we look very, very unsettled. I'm joined by my co-host Matt Candela and Johnny Cochran. If you're here for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're here all the time and you know that you're about to get some really good content, hit that like button right now. Guys, how are we feeling? Are we excited um, after <laughs> signing off the preseason with a draw against the quite average Monaco side? It's been a bit stuttery, hasn't it, so far? Um, I think... We were all hoping that we were going to go into the season absolutely flying. I, for one, was hoping we'd have a very settled first team. But I think someone said it feels a bit more like Arteta is playing with a Swiss army knife, looking at all these different combinations and parts. And I have to say, um, I haven't got quite the level of excitement I had last year um, as we went in to the first game. I don't know whether just expectations have risen, but lacking Expectations a bit or fear levels? A bit of both, a bit of both, but but we're certainly we're certainly lacking a bit of cohesion for me, Johnny. The summer vibes are screeching from that shirt right now. Um, are you feeling chilled out and relaxed, or do you share some concerns and maybe a little bit of fear creeping into what we've done to this squad? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, really, because I don't know how I don't know how much on the fear uh, of a fear factor I have. In terms of, I'm trying to keep reminding myself it is still pre-season. And ultimately, I don't give a fuck if we're getting beat 9-0 in pre-season. If you could promise me we're going to, you know, start the season red hot. And obviously, I know there's a correlation between not getting beat 9-0 and starting the season well. But ultimately, I don't care about pre-season at all. It doesn't matter. However, the closer we get to the season starting the more disjointed that we start to look, um, the, the more, you know, my confidence in what we're going to do this season, certainly in terms of how we're going to start, is starting to get chipped away at. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going um, to be going absolutely hysterical over what we've seen, but there are certainly a few, a few points of concern, I would say, and then there are other... Bright spark. So, you know, we can we can talk through them. Um, but ultimately, we are looking porous. We are looking vulnerable. And it also, at the moment, seems like we could be in a little bit of a pattern where we're one game on, one game off. Because we were looking damaging against Barcelona and then uh, and poor against United. And then we've not looked um, amazing today either. So, yeah, um, lots to lots to dig into, I'd say. I'm hoping uh, a little bit of anger in the system, a little bit of fear will lead to uh, something very exciting. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. The AOP. Hottest of takes. Make it spicy. 
If you are new to the show, this is a tradition we do before every single podcast. It is the AOP hottest of takes. And the job here is to get the spiciest take out the system early and set the ball rolling on a great podcast. Uh, man like Macandela, we're going to go to you for today's spicy take. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I asked a question at the la- at the end of last season. I said, which Arsenal are we? Are we the Arsenal of the first 30 games or 28 games? Or are we the Arsenal of the last 10? Um, because it was a significant drop-off that we saw. Um, and I know that lots of reasons have been put forward around around why that happened. But it was sort of a question that I asked. And the thing that's of some concern to me so far is that this preseason feels a bit more like a continuation of the end of the season rather than a return to the form of the beginning of the season in that we've looked quite porous at the back. Um, we have shown glimpses of individual skill, but yet to be collectively coherent. Um, we've found the goals have, have been a little bit harder to come by. Um, we don't seem to have such a settled 11. So I don't want to do Munger because we're all in pre-season and, and it all may be fine. But I felt like we were going into last season red hot. And I feel like this season we're still not um, sure of what our first choice is. I think we've got a number of, we've got sort of, in my mind, sort of eight of the players Um that we know are going to start on that opening day. Um, but we're really unclear on fullbacks. Um, and we're a little bit unclear in the middle of the park. And now we've got a problem with our number nine uh, with an injury. So it's going to be interesting to see whether next week is the first chance to put our first choice out against City and really go for it. And it's way too early to get concerned. But um, just a few nagging nagging doubts. Um, Mikel Arteta has been galaxy-braining it um, and I just hope and I still back him to get it right because he's done everything right. But um, definitely some uh, queries at the moment. Johnny Crockram, Matt is concerned about the unsettled nature of the squad. Where are you going to take this week's hottest of takes? Uh, Yeah, so... It's interesting. I mean, obviously, I think we're probably all going to have the same sentiment coming away from it. it I don't want to um, be too heavy in terms of the negatives because, as you know, as Matt pointed out, some of it is going to be experimentation. Some of it we can absolutely expect to, um, you, you know, see go differently if Arteta took a different approach to it. We're trying different players, trying to get new combinations. So... My hottest of takes is actually going to um, kind of centre around uh, a player that someone brought up in the comments on one of the previous pods, and that is Zinchenko. And basically, um, someone brought up the fact that when he doesn't play, we don't look as secure. Now, bearing in mind that he was absolutely stinking the gaff out in, a la- in our you know last eight games or so, he, he he had a really poor rating in the kind of ratings that I was doing. Had a lot of shaky games, but I think what it is uh, and what it was is um, he manages to slow the game down when he's put in um, in the situations where he's receiving the ball in tight areas. That is, some players react differently to that stimuli of being you know put under pressure. It makes some players want to run faster, want to exert more energy, do things at a quicker pace, almost struggle their way out. And it makes some players, often the class players, relax and just go at their speed. And basically, we never looked any better defensively than when Zinchenko was playing at the start of the year. And he and he managed to add, uh, you know, an assured nature to everything that we were doing when he was stepping into midfield. And the reason why I bring this up is because I thought that Timber, and I'm not ruling this out before anyone gets at me, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I thought that Timber was going to be much more of an immediate like-for-like with Zinchenko, being able to invert and, you know, overload our midfield, but also add that versatility of being able to go down the wing, hit the touchline. But I don't think 
just off early viewing, who knows, it could change, but early viewing, I don't think he's going to be that player. It's not to say he's not going to be a good player, but Zinchenko added like a, he was, he, he, he becomes like an, another Jorginho in there. Very slow paced, but extremely comfortable in the ball tight situations, one touch passing. And that allows us to stay calm and maintain control. Because that's ultimately what we had at the start of last season, control over games. And at the moment, it looks like we are, and depending on the clientele who are playing, we're a lot more chaotic when it comes to our defensive setup. And so that's why I think that, um, you know, we, we're starting to look a little bit more vulnerable in those situations. So I'd say my list of takes is, I don't know how Arteta is going to do it, but we have to go some way to try and regain that control element that um, we had at the start of last season. And if we do, we, there's no reason why we can't start in the same way as we did last year. But if we don't, I think there's going to be more served up of this, which is a little bit of hope we score more than you because we certainly look vulnerable. Nice one. Nice one. The If my hottest of takes had a title, or a, it would be Swiss Army Strife. Uh, I always I, like a pun. That's good you. work. Well I'm done, just mate. Looking for a little bit of validation. There. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for jumping in, Matt. You're dead to me. I, I think that I, I think that we've gone from having the most settled starting eleven in the Premier League to having uh, a, a wild grouping of supremely talented players, and I don't think Arteta knows how to use all of those players correctly at the moment. I think it's going to take some time. I think part of um, part of Arteta's mission this summer was to add more predictability, uh, unpredictability into a very predictable start in 11. I think he's got lots of interesting options. He's got lots of talent that can play multiple positions. And we look unsettled at the moment. And I think that we've seen enough from pre-season to probably draw the conclusion that there's going to be some pain this season. I don't think that we are going to be the arsenal of, uh, you know, whatever it was, November. Straight away, I think that um, I think it's going to take Declan Rice a while to settle in. I think Harvest is going to take a while um, to you know get used to a new position. I think that we just have to expect that there are going to be some problems. There are going to be some rough performances out there. Um, I think if the the game today said anything to me, it's that we should probably start with a a, a first team eleven that's as close to the one that we ended the season with. So basically, the like. Granite Xhaka getting replaced by Harvards or or Declan Rice, um, and then I, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be all right off the back of it. Um, I think it's going to take a while to develop uh, this side, but we're taking pain now, um, which is a good thing because long term, once we settle, we'll be able to play lots of different formations, have lots of different starting elevens, and have unpredictability that's suited to any side in the world. So. Um, I think pain is incoming, is is my hottest take. And uh, I'll just repeat again, Swiss Army Strife. What a beauty to get the show up and running. Oh, I love that. I love that, Pete. Oh, <laughs> Matt, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. All right. Uh, so that's the hottest of takes out the way. Um, let's move on to the first topic of the show. Uh, Declan Slowcooked Rice. Uh, Declan Rice made his first start as a left-sided eight today. Uh, Thomas Partey was pinning the midfield against Monaco. The performance uh, wasn't as sexy as one would hope from a £105 million player. I think we have to contextualise. He has been playing under David Moyes football for a majority of his uh, his young professional career. It is going to take him a while to get up to speed with the fitness. It's going to take him a while to get up to speed with the way Arteta thinks and the demands that he makes of his midfielders. But needless to say... Um, you do kind of expect 105 million pound players to be blowing you away with 30 yard screamers and unbelievable passes. Johnny, I'm going to go to you first. Declan Rice has been in the media asking um, for a little bit of patience. Um, what did you make of the performance today? And do you empathize with uh, the 24 year old England midfielder? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I, he, he asked for patience, he's getting it from me. There is no panic and hysteria around Declan Rice. Um, the only panic may come from fans who were possibly expecting a different kind of player than what we have. He 
is someone who's got supreme athleticism. We saw bursts of it today. What I want to do, first of all, is focus on, you know, the, the positives. There was a moment in the first half, many people would have um, remembered it, when the ball broke to him and he's on the burst. And it's a really delicate touch between two players. That's naughty. That's a little bit of naughtiness, which is high technique. And it's a player who can use his athleticism. When you, you're always going to do this kind of direct comparison because he's now playing, um, you know, in, in essentially Granite Xhaka's position from last year. Granite Xhaka has an engine for days, but one thing he was never going to do was run past anyone. Never going to happen at all. And uh, Declan Rice showed on a couple of occasions today in the first half that that is what he can do. That is, I'm on the overlap. I can either take it in and you overlap me or I'm on the overlap and I'm running round people. There's, of course, going to be, you know, uh, teething problems, if you like, as he gets to know his teammates, a couple of misplaced passes. Listen, get that out of the way now. It's not a problem. Like, I don't see any any issue with something like that happening that would mean that he's somehow bound to have a poor start to season. Everyone deserves, like, you know, to shake off the cobwebs, as it were, and he more than others because he's got new teammates to learn. But I thought there were plenty of positives, even in the, you know, he only had about, what, 60 minutes. But I think there were loads of um, bright sparks to look at, loads of loads of things that he can add to the team and the game when he is finally at his best. And I don't expect him necessarily to be 10 out of 10 from the off, even though we want that to happen. But maybe two games in, three games in, he is chomping at the bit and, you know, starting to get up to full speed. And I think there's plenty to be excited about as Arsenal fans with Declan Rice and the team. Matt, Declan Rice, the dream signing, the one that everybody wanted. Um, it's been a sluggish start. Um, can you draw any historical parallels to players that started slowly and banged? Do you have concerns that he might not bang? Is the is, is it too much for him already? Can we no write him off? No concerns at all. He's going to get there. There's flashes of it. Let's be honest. He wasn't he wasn't poor. He was just, you know, we've, we've got extremely high expectations, both because of the player he's replaced, who had a good season, um, because of the price tag, because of just just how much commentary there's been around this particular signing. Um, in parallels, I think, you know, there was that moment in the first half that Johnny alluded to, that brilliant touch. And I think if he scores that, um, he didn't do anything wrong, by the way, it was a fantastic tackle. If he scores that, suddenly he's hoovering everything up around the pitch. So I think it's just, we just need that catalyst, that moment where he suddenly feels the confidence that, 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 that will, uh, just just for, just from the atmosphere, from a moment, from a pass, from a goal. And then I think we're off to the races. Um, it's like Sol Campbell, I've said before, um, coming in, had a few sluggish first games, went to Spurs away, dominated, didn't look back. I think Declan Rice is going to be the same. And I think it could be faster. I think he could score in the opening day and he's off to the races. I think it could be the second game. I think it could be the third game. So it could be next week. So I don't think it's going to be long. Um, I think the other thing about big signings is they make other players reevaluate their value. Thomas Party, I think, has come back. He's been brilliant. Thomas Party today. I mean, some of the... Yeah, we got a section for Thomas Party. All right, all right, but I think that is that's clearly impacting him. So, um, for me, the midfield to start next season is Party plus Odegaard plus one of Rice and Havertz to start the season. I don't think Declan Rice is a guaranteed starter. I think he's going to have to ease his way in, but you know, he he will be soon. He will be soon. Lovely. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Declan Rice is going to be an absolute machine for Arsenal. I just think it's a culture shock. You know, like we're also getting used to signing players that have played with really demanding managers. Zinchenko and Jesus come in and they settle instantly because they play Arteta's style of football and they played for Pep Guardiola. We sign players from Brighton and they settle instantly because Deserby uh, and Potter play a similar style of football to Arteta. When you pick someone up from West Ham, and it's get stuck into him is basically the the theme of any match. Um, 
you're you're going to have a um, an adjustment period. Arteta, um, you know, when when he joined Arsenal, he was like, it's going to take eighteen months for people to adapt to the way that I think. But I think it's going to take Declan Rice eighteen months to adapt to Arsenal. But I think you're right, Matt. I think it's, you know, I don't think we're going to see the best of him until October, November. I just hope that when we don't see the best, it's still good. You know, we're still maintaining a sort of jacker level of midfielder if he's as an eight. And if he's playing as a six, that he can maintain some sort of closeness to what Thomas Partey offered. But I have uh, I have no concerns. Too many big clubs were in for Declan Rice for him not to work out. And like to Johnny's point, I love the athleticism, that little burst into the box, that well-timed run, the pace that he's got, the power that he's going to offer us from corners. Like it's all, it's all a plus. Then we've just got to give him a little bit of time. And I hope that if he has a couple of bad games, people don't get on his back and start sending him nasty DMs on uh, on Instagram. Right. Um, let's move into a little advert. If you're listening to this, we hope you're having a great time and getting all the same fields as a last-minute Reese Nelson winner. If that is the case, you're probably thinking, well, how could I get more of this elite content? Well, wonder no more, people. All you have to do is head over to our Patreon and sign up. For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can get access to our weekly Patreon-exclusive podcast, ad-free, may I add, and with video so you get to enjoy Pete's female prison haircut in high definition. You can also join our Patreon Discord so you can chat with the rest of the community about all things Arsenal as well as things like ticket exchanges etc. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion and become one of our patrons today. Link in the bio, link in the bio, click it. And while you're there, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And click the like button. Why haven't you clicked the like button? There's 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 four four hundred and fifty people in the room. Click that like button right now. Otherwise, we won't move on to the next topic of conversation, uh, which is Jesus out. Yeah, Jesus is out. He's injured, and where is he injured? His his knee. He's got a knee injury again. We don't know how serious is it is. We pray. That Sorry, it is. Pete. In in our comments, um, Jack Sessions, friend of the. Friend of the pod has said that an in the know, um, Kaya, um, has actually suggested that he's going to be out for a few weeks and there might even be surgery. Is that apparently he's he's undergone a procedure this morning and will be out for a few weeks? Sounds like a three month to me. Yeah, that sounds like he's not coming back until December. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he had an injury where they flush out liquid from your knee so maybe maybe it's something like that but yeah. uh, three weeks three weeks for surgery sounds uh generous okay so gabriel jesus uh injured for the start of the season won't be there for manchester city um could be back for the man united game but we don't know that no. means we're all in on eddie kruger um <sighs> yeah i think matt you tweeted uh never underestimate eddie kruger never underestimate uh, him but don't i think make you were saying first choice I think you were a little bit free from concern of hoping that Jesus wasn't going to be injured um, long term. Now he's out. Um, how is that fear? How is that not in your stomach right now? Um, what are your thoughts? Um, how, how badly could this impact us? I think it's going to really badly impact us because I think we've seen that we've lacked any real cohesion up top um, with the way that we've been with the way that we've been playing in preseason. And I think Gabby Jesus was such an unlock for us at the beginning of last season. He was the player. He was the catalyst. It was him and Sinchenko who completely transformed this team. And I know that the back half of the season wasn't what we expected from him. And I don't think he held up to his high standards. But just a couple of the finishes in pre-season have just shown you what he can do versus anyone else. He can create something out of magic. And he's more a scorer of great goals than a great goal scorer. But... Just to go in and, and and just, I'd feel better if it wasn't the knee. You know, it was the knee before, it's the knee again. I'd rather it was just a new injury or he had a dead leg or, you know, he had a calf strain or whatever. But just, I mean, we don't have any real information on it. But a few weeks at this moment in the season, I don't think you do procedures unless you really have to. Um, you know, procedure is some type of surgery. So... Yeah, I'm. I'm really. We need. We know. We need him in a groove, and I really thought this was it. So, 
Um, I think it's a real, real blow. And I guess the only positive is we've got a slightly easier season fixture list. That's it, really. Johnny, Matt focused on losing Jesus and didn't lean into Eddie very hard here. I'd love you to talk about um, Eddie's performance today, his all-round game, and him finally getting on the score sheet. Um, Give it to me. Listen, um, I'm just going to have to start coming with the real, okay? The fact is, we all love ourselves a bit of Eddie Kruger. We're all part of that gang. But if you're going to tell me that he's going to be leading our title charge, I'm not in. I want something new to happen. I've been saying for a long time I want a new striker. I think this is massive alarm bells. We can't afford to start this season, you know, win one game, lose one game. Win one. We can't afford to be, you know, just having a, a terrible start. It, we know the demands that it takes to win the league. That's one thing that we can take away from last year. Outside of the confidence, it's we know what it takes because we were nearly there. We can't afford to be going, oh, right, I think we might have a um, striking option, but uh, maybe other weeks we don't. I think we need to go into the market. I really do. I think we're interested in signing a keeper, which a lot of people are excited about. I like that. But um, the reality is, is the area of, of highest need, I'd say, is a striker. I said it going in, I thought we needed a striker. Eddie is nothing more than a backup striker. I don't want to see him in for more than a few games. I know there are going to be some people, you know, chucking pelters at me saying, he's had a great game, leave it out. I get that. Look, it's not that I don't want him to do well. He does not convince me. He doesn't convince me that over a period of time, he is going to be able to get the job done. I'm going to say all this, by the way, and then I'm going to end on a positive. But, um, you know, just to, to hammer home that point, if Gabriel Jesus continues to get in, injured, we're going to have to look for a new um, striking option anyway, a first choice. And if that player is available now, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, w- uh, there's a player that we absolutely have to buy. But someone like, um, someone like uh, you, you know, they're talking about Osterman now. Going to Saudi Arabia, of course, is a load you can't of money. Be like, just someone like Osman, no, but fifty I'm, million pound player. What I'm saying is, if like there are players that are out there, I'm not saying that we'd even have the funds to be able to get get that player. Vlajevic talking about being linked with Chelsea. I don't know whether these are the best options. The only thing that this does do for me is it says that um, the Ivan Tony potential option as well, where we could just, can we get Jesus out till Christmas? And then maybe that still is an option as well. Um, That might be a tougher sell now if Jesus is injured now, because we can't be waiting half a year to get someone else to back up. That's just a dog chasing its tail. And anyway, I presented a few issues there. Ultimately, Eddie doesn't convince me to be starting the season um, for a longer period with, but ultimately I think there is an option. And the option I think is, we start with Luther Van Tross up top. Every time I've seen him, I think he's actually been the most exciting player in preseason. I've really liked what Trossard is doing these days. When he comes on, we know that he can lead the line because he was doing it for Brighton just before we signed him. He might, you know, come up short against elite, elite competition in terms of if we go away to City and we might need to find another option. But right now... He always he scores he, against big teams. Yeah, he went he to Anfield, bagged a hat-trick. You know, I, I think... I think No, but what I'm saying is, in a crunch game, up against Ruben Diaz, would, you know, would we think that Trossard is going to be as much of a threat as... Or, or even near a threat as Haaland? No, I think there are other players that out there that might be able to bridge that gap a little bit. But against most of the teams, even a guy who's not playing, you know, as a number nine week in, week out... I think he would cause most teams in the Premier League all sorts of nightmares. He look, his, his close control looks amazing. We look more, more coherent when he's on. I would give him the nod. But obviously, if we do give him a nod, then uh, it's it's going to be pretty damaging for Eddie's confidence, I'd say. Listen, guys, I'm disgusted by you both. Disgusted. Disgusted. Eddie Nketiah had a great performance today. Didn't get much service. He was good on the ball. He was unselfish and he was there, foxing the boxing like we know he can. I think, I think 
you're being unfair uh, to to Eddie and Ketty. I think he's a far better striker. I think he he suffers with uh, you know some academy players just don't get the love that they deserve. Eddie and Ketia deserves more love. I think he's going to bang in some goals. Um, I think he was good when he came into the side last season. Um, I think he's improved his all round game. I think he's got a lot of power. Shown some really good pace during preseason. I do like the idea of um, Trossard as well. I mean, half the Arsenal fan base are like, number nines don't need to score goals unless it's Eddie. And then that's then he must score 50 goals. Um, so I, w- I would have Trossard in there. The, the reason that I, I, you might favour Trossard um, over Eddie is he's just in such electric form at the moment. And his finishing is outrageous. His touch is, has been sublime. Um, uh, he's he's like Santi Cazorla with pace and a finish. I absolutely love um I, I love him and I think he would do a, a brilliant job. I think he'll probably lean harder into Eddie. I guess the and I was also wondering it's like if you if you were just if you were not an Arsenal fan uh, and you were supporting any club outside of Arsenal and you were like, who would we sign this summer? Who's available? Who's good? You'd be like Balogun <laughs> just scored 21 goals in uh in the French league, you know, a few behind Kian Mbappe. Um uh, like great pace, great finish, offers us something different, but he's not getting a look in. So, uh, you know, I wonder if that will change. My 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 deeper concern is if we've just got Eddie and then Eddie gets injured, we're we're in real trouble. We don't have a lot of depth in that nine position. And um, a few people are mentioning in the comments, Vlahovic uh, is is attracting a lot of interest. Like if Chelsea can offer Lukaku a completely dead player. Who is finished um, in in a you know in a deal for Vlahovic? Why can't we offer Juventus Balogun and say we want Vlahovic? Like that feels like a really obvious move. Juventus will be buying something that will be worth money uh, in in the next three seasons, and he would absolutely bang in Serie A. And he's and he's already travelled. You know, he's he likes the he likes the finer things in life. You know, exchanging France for Italy. I don't think that'd be a big deal. Like Matt, you're you're looking like you feel you're feeling that idea. Yeah, I'm feeling that idea. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think Balogun is looking like he's get, had poor advice. I think he should have just completely kept his mouth shut and just said, "I'm here to fight for my place, and whatever will be, will be," and let things play out the way they're going to play out because the club aren't going to let an asset depreciate without doing something. And then there could have been an opportunity now for him. Um, instead, he's basically been isolated because he's made it clear that he doesn't see his future at Arsenal, which is, I think, stupid because in football, things can change in an instant, as we've seen, where we're all expecting Gabby Jesus to start. Suddenly, he's not. Everything has opened up um, up front. So, um, completely agree with that. Completely agree with with the comments around, around Eddie. Um Look, it's not that Eddie is a bad player. I think um, I think if we are reasonable, then we say Trossard's been our best player in pre-season, offensively. We were going to have to find a way to fit him in. I thought it was going to be at the expense of Martinelli to start the season. I think he's done enough in pre-season for Martinelli to be on the bench. And Martinelli's been decent, but I just think Trossard's been better. But maybe this is the moment for... Trossard to come in and stake a claim. Um, so you have to look at it. You have to try and be optimistic and look at it as an opportunity. And maybe this is an opportunity to have Trossard start more games. Agree with that. So we're we're mostly in favour of Trossard starting. I mean, the only the interesting thing will be whether Arteta goes for that. I think you'll uh, go Eddie with that because Eddie is. Has anyone had any more minutes in preseason than Eddie and Fabio? I mean, the two of them, I think, what, feel like they've got more minutes than anyone. One of, one of the things I found interesting was, obviously, you know, you can't read completely into who started today, but one of the things I thought he was doing was trying to get new combinations going, trying to see whether they were working. I thought it was quite deliberate that he started Saliba and played him with Kivior. Kivior, I think, is a player based on pre-season who I think Arteta is going to use a lot next season. He plans to. And I think he really wanted to see whether he and um, Saliba could, you know, play well and whether they could strike up that chemistry. And also, obviously, Thomas Partey playing in there with Declan Rice. I think 
he did that deliberately. He wanted to see how Declan Rice would look. I don't think it was an accident that um, he started Eddie. He wanted to see what how he could work with Gabby, how he could work, you know. And at the end of the day, if, if you look at the stat sheet, he scored a goal and we drew the game. He might say, look, I've done my job. But I don't know. It, 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 I guess it's a subjective thing with fans. Some fans, I, I get it. We're like, you know, back the player. He'll come good. I do get that. I understand it. I, you know, it's just my, from my perspective, I think we don't look as frightening going forward when he plays. He's not a shit player. I think he is a, a Prem ready player. Against some teams, he's going to be able to cause damage. But we don't look as good going forward. And sometimes I think it's just down to the fact that Eddie calls himself a striker as opposed to Trossard, who has got a touch of the Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's put him anywhere. Trossard's the nuts. Every time he plays, he looks the nuts. And I know that I would feel more confident about Trossard doing damage to Nottingham Forest than I would Eddie. Like I think Eddie could score against that level of opposition, but Trossard makes us... He links better with some of what with what we're trying to do in and around the box. And, you know, that's the direction I'd go anyway. All right. OK, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, we're going to go back to, uh, you know, we're going we're to start on a little bit of a negative. I am a little bit concerned that Arsenal have been getting ripped through the middle um, throughout preseason. It seems to be a, a little bit of a theme. Uh, felt a little bit like peak Unai Emery. Um, we don't feel buttoned up, feel like we're letting people have their way. But balls over the top seem to be uh, our kryptonite at the moment. Uh, Matt, do do you share the same concerns? Can we fix it? I mean, like this this feels like a real basic problem that we haven't seen with uh, with an Arsenal side under Arteta for a long time. Yeah, and I think for me it's that same point, which is I don't know who our fullbacks are at the moment. Um, everyone's sort of had a go. Kivio had a go. Ben White's had a go. Timbers had a go on both sides. Tom Yassi's had a go. I've got no loads of people have been playing in unusual positions. It's like we've been training for the worst rather than the best possible scenarios. Tommy Yassi's played on the left. Timbers played on the left. Timbers played on the right. Ben White's played at centre half. Hasn't played much at right back. Kirill's played all over the place. And you know, I think all the majority of the balls have been between. The, the centre half and the fullback, right? And exploiting that space. Um, and so I'm surprised we haven't worked harder to try and figure that out. Um, it feels, we feel very, very vulnerable defensively. Um, and and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of concerned about it. We're sort of in that arena where we can dominate a game and then just, it's just like, and but we have to work very, very hard for our goals. And the opposition seems to be able to just like hoof it down the middle and suddenly we're very, very vulnerable. So, yeah, I think figure out the fullbacks and we'll figure out this problem. Um, we Normally, figuring out that, that, that frailness in transition can be fixed relatively easily. Um, it's not normally a long-term problem, but it could be a painful one and it could get us off to a weak start. So, yeah, I think it's the... Um, the symptom is, you know, a weakness in transition, but uh, the illness is not having figured out who our f- first choice fullbacks are and figuring out the structure of play. Johnny, do you put it down to a muddled eleven? Do you put it down to fullbacks, or do you have another idea about what's going wrong with our sieve-like midfield? Yeah, um, I do think I'm going to put. I'm I'm happy to chalk it up to. Uh, pre-season, experimentation, players getting to know each other. Um, you, know, you know, the issue is we absolutely want the manager to be able to, you know, experiment, to try new things, to put players in different situations. These are all going to be lessons that get learned for later in the season and we'd kind of be kicking ourselves if we, and Arteta has been, you know, blamed for this in the past as well, for not showing himself enough options so that when we get into the season, he becomes quite, you know, one quite a one-track um, mind when it comes to personnel, um, not, not necessarily rotating well enough. And so this is the time to show the options that he has so he can pick uh, more wisely when we need him to. But I just hope that he has afforded enough time for us to get back to our core because 
when it comes to attacking play, it's all right experimenting all the time. You're trying to find... It's like, you know, a mad professor trying to get that chemistry. When it comes to, um, you know, your defensive side, a lot of the time it's not about just experimenting loads, trying to get chemistry. It's about stability. Your stability is where, you know, the, the patterns of play, the predicted behaviour from your teammates, that's what leads to being able to be robust and knowing what you're doing. And um, at the moment, because we are chopping and changing personnel, it just seems like people are just unsure of what they're doing. And what we seem to have taken such a big step forward in last year was for the first time in a long time, it felt like everyone knew what they were meant to do. We felt like, you know, as fans, we could watch it and go, yeah, sometimes people would score against us. But most of the time it was through, yeah, sure, occasionally an individual mistake. But people weren't carving us up and stuff. You know, sometimes, a lot of times it was good play. Now we're looking very vulnerable. And this is not, you know, Man City doing this to us. This is Monaco in pre-season. And um, I, as we get closer to the season, I'd like to start seeing these things, you know, getting getting a lot, little bit more sure. Obviously, we've got Man City next week. And if they... The one thing I don't want is a pumping at Wembley because that would be a serious, serious downer for the start of the season. And... Those are the kinds of things that linger, but especially when there is that bit of a psychological hold. So I would have liked to have seen this a little bit, um, you know, a little bit looking a little bit more robust heading into a, a much higher quality game next weekend. But I'm willing to just, you know, maybe like a fool, just bury all my concerns, you know, in in, in the table draw and say, no, nah, you know, just bury them next to the bills and say it's probably not going to come due. It's just going to be down to our experimentation in pre-season. And when when the actual whistle goes for the start of the season, we're going to be ready and chomping at the bit. One thing we haven't talked about is whether a few people had their eye on that Community Shield game. You know, it is a massive game against Manchester City and a chance to put things right. And there's probably a fair amount of pain at what happened last season. That... I mean, the bottom was that City game, in a way. I mean, it, it, it was there was an inevitability to it, but it was it was horrible because it was men against boys. And I wonder whether everything was a little bit half-hearted today because we know that we've got a big game, we've got to you know set a marker down for the season. Um, they don't, but we do. Yeah, I I, I think the. The unsettled nature of the starting eleven is definitely weighing on um, some of the defensive um, issues that we're having at the moment. I don't think the, you know, we can talk about this as well. I don't think the the team that started and played sixty minutes is going to start at Manchester City. I think that the team that came on for the final thirty is going to be the starting eleven, and that's a bit more of a familiar um, group of players. But it is, it is a little bit of a worry, you know, like when Arteta first joined, we were all shocked at how um, rigid and strict he was around creating a, a unit that didn't get ripped through. Um, you know, we rarely conceded more than one goal in his first season. And last season, our defensive record wasn't that great. It felt like it regressed. Like we've become more adventurous as a side, you know, with you know, nearly breaking a hundred goal season. But it's it's a bit of a concern to me that, um, that that we're still letting in silly goals. Like I hope that we can fix it because uh, if you know Manchester City are very good at defending, and if we truly believe that we can challenge them for the title this year, we've got to concede ten less goals this this season. And there is no better team to find out whether you've improved your defensive abilities than Manchester City. So I'm um, I'm like you, Johnny. The way that we're playing at the moment. I, I am a bit worried that there could be a tanking uh, coming through. I mean, hopefully I'm, I'm totally wrong. And uh, there is one team that has been conceding a lot of goals in preseason. That's Liverpool. I mean, they concede almost three goals in every single game at the moment. I think they conceded a bunch of goals against Bayern Munich yesterday. So uh, th- there'll be one to watch. Uh, okay. All right. Let's move on um, to the next topic. Where are we going to go? Ah, Party starter. 
Thomas Partey was going to exit. I think that his team were quite looking forward to getting him a mega money deal from uh, Saudi. There was talk of Juventus coming in for him. Three clubs in Serie A put their names in the ring, but they didn't have the fee that could um, match what Arsenal needed. And I think that our preseason has not been exceptional. And that might also be weighing on the decision to keep Partey in the starting eleven. Guys, what do we think of Thomas Partey's uh, performance out there today? Um, is he uh, is he going to be a key player um, this season? Can he bit maintain his focus? Can he maintain his fitness? Matt, what do you think? We can't let him go. We just can't. And the only I always thought the only way we could let him go would be if we got Caicedo as well, because I think he's the type of quality that is, that is needed. But we can't let him go. And I think seeing Declan Rice up close and personal and recognizing that he might need a few games to get fully up to speed certainly can't play the six solo. Um, then you combine that with Thomas Partey, uh, who looks very much the player at the beginning of last season versus the end of last season. All of it is saying we're just it's just not not worth it for, 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 that, for that fee. So let's just hope he can retain some form, play well this season, and then we can get a fee for him in a year's time. And, um, and by that time, Declan Rice will be more than capable of playing that six solo. But right now, not with, we're just, he's going to be really, really critical, especially to the start of the season. Johnny, spicy take on the man, Thomas Partey. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with Matt, actually. I was only ever endorsing the um, exit of Thomas Partey if Kaiseido or potentially we were talking about Chiromani as well at one point, weren't we? But realistically, I wanted Kaiseido through the door and I thought that that would have been enough quality coming in to kind of deal with the um, the, the, the confusion and the, and the adjustments that we'd have to make completely replace our midfield. But where we stand right now, there's no question about it. The best option is to remain with Thomas Partey here. He's looking like he looks hungry. He's great on the ball. Um, I think him and Rice will build up a great partnership. I also think that we can't sleep on the role that Jorginho will play this year as well. He's much less of an in injury risk. Obviously, he doesn't run that fast. Um, and obviously, he doesn't have this, add the same athleticism. But now I think that he's a player that could complement Declan Rice because he has that athleticism, Declan, I mean. So if you play Jorginho, being able to give Thomas Partey those games to rest this year. So hopefully we have him for those crunch moments towards the end of the season. There's every chance that those two could be, you know, a real force today. He looks hungry in pre-season and we're going to need him at his best if we're going to um, give it a full tilt this year. Agree with that. All right. Well, that was a that was a nice positive one to wrap up the podcast. Um, if you are watching this video, give us a like. If you're listening to this on a podcast, we've seen the five-star reviews coming in, the lovely comments. You make me very happy. If you haven't left a five-star review on iTunes, get on there. Um, it only takes two minutes and we really appreciate it. And guys, we're going to be back on the whistle for every single game this season. You're not. You're going to love it. It's, we're going to be in your ears all the time. We're the fastest podcast in the land and we're going to maintain that next season. Um, we're looking forward to spending a, a golden year with you. So thanks for joining. Remember, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. If you want some of that extra content, if you want your content ad-free, if you want the videos for the non on the whistles, that's where you go. Patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. And on that note, we're going to say goodbye. The next time we see you, it will be on Sunday for another on the whistle. Um, we'll be doing a before the whistle exclusive to Patreon on Friday. So get your ears into that. And uh, yeah, let's pray that the season starts well. Pray for Gabby Jesus's knee and have yourself a lovely day. And I will say uh, ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.